everyone. Before we get started, we wanted to let you know about our venue consulting. We have broken up our offerings into four distinct needs, design, sales and client experience, marketing, and those all-important SOPs. You can take advantage of one or all of these tricky spots for your venue. If you want to learn more and get a few more details, head on over to hustleandgather.com to see how we can work together and reach your venue goals. All right, let's get to today's show. Welcome to Hustle & Gather, a podcast about inspiring the everyday entrepreneur to take the leap. I'm Courtney. And I'm Dana. And we're two sisters who love business. On this show, we talk about the ups and downs of the hustle and the reward at the end of the journey. We know all of the challenges that come with starting a business. Between operating our wedding venue, doing speaking and consulting, and starting our luxury wedding planning company, we wake up and hustle every day. And today, we're talking, just the two of us, about last week's episode with Nina McCaskey, owner of Wedded Kiss, a hair and makeup business in Raleigh, North Carolina. If you haven't heard last week's episode, go give it a listen and come back to hear our thoughts. All right, Courtney, let's get started. I think we've all kind of, I think when you get into 2021, it was like, I don't want to talk about 2020 anymore. And it's just so over the pandemic. But I feel like really as an entrepreneur, it has really shaped how we run our company, how we're going to run our company in the future. And I was really grateful to be able to talk to her about how she pivoted and went forward with it. And that last story about how we, like the very beginning, got put through the fire. We had a client that her wedding was the weekend that the world shut down and she canceled her wedding five days before the actual event. And it was a mess. Obviously at this point, the food's been ordered, the flowers been ordered. I mean, everything's done. Everyone's just ready to execute. And this client wanted hundred percent refunds for every single person. Yeah. And it was ugly. It was ugly. And I think at that point, maybe we hadn't been calloused enough, but it was so scary still to have somebody like, speak negatively of you or like you're worried about a negative review or like, how am I going to handle this Mm -hmm. and not make this person so angry that they're wanting retribution? Yeah. I I mean, honestly, like, cause it was my client. So I was on the, I mean, you remember I was on the phone for hours, hours, hours for like weeks. Yeah. And just playing the middleman, trying to get this person to calm down, trying to get my vendors to like stick their ground (laughs) because, you know, cause if we all said the same message, you felt like it would go smoother. Yeah. But I think for me, I just remember feeling an overwhelming sense of sadness. Like I, at one point she called me in the morning, I think it was a couple of days before her wedding was supposed to be. And she told me she was, and she was canceling. She went all her money back and blah, blah, whatever. And I just remember telling her, like, I understand that you, you had to make this decision and I'm really sorry you're going through this, you know, rescheduling is the best option so we can move all your money and, you know, we'll reschedule to the summer and. There's many reasons why she didn't want to do that. And I was like, I'm going to be honest with you. Like there's companies who have let, like let go their entire staff. Like there's people making really hard decisions right now. And you're adding fuel to the fire at this point. And I just remember thinking like, this person has no idea the amount of stress that we are under the amount of just sheer anxiety and just sadness. Like I, I just were like, just, I don't think I cried because I didn't know what to cry about, but I just was so heavy. I think a lot of it was just the unknown at that time. Like we, and I mean, and I'm 
a very positive person. She's the eternal optimist. So I was like, this is going to be like six weeks. Look, Wuhan got it under control. I know. She's like, China's (laughs) under control. They went went on lockdown three weeks ago. It'll be fine. Like there were these countries that got on lockdown and they like had, were off lockdown and seemingly back to normal. I mean, everyone wore a mask, which I think, you know, not to get political is where we went wrong, but they all were going about their business and like with the mask and whatnot and living life. So I thought for sure it was just going to be like, you know, a blip like six or eight weeks. So we're going to accommodate these brides in the next six to eight weeks. But like come May, June, it's going to be fine. So I think also the thing too, to note at that time is that everybody was as generous as they were ever going to be at that point. Like pick a date, pick a time. I'll do it all for free. I'll beat the cost of this. Just let's move it on. Because I think everybody was thinking, wow, it like sucks for these next five or six weeks. But for sure, I'm going to be able to recoup this business and you know, the summer. And that just wasn't the case. No. And, and I mean, everyone was in the dark. I mean, even our clients didn't know what was going to happen. And I think, you know, I remember exactly like I called Nina and I said, Hey, this client's going to call you and they want a full refund. And I'm telling you, this is what every other vendor is doing. Just so you're aware. This is the line they're taking. And she called me afterwards. It's just like in tears, like just this woman, just like, she was destroyed me. Just like, and not, because she believed it, but I think it was just, there was so much coming at her at one time. And, and I just, it got, it made me so angry. I just remember being so mad. Like, how can you talk to somebody like that and call them a terrible human and an awful person and say that they are evil and a bad business person. And when you're looking, anyone will tell you that she's like the kindest, most generous person. And so my immediate thought was she doesn't even eat animals. (laughs) She's a vegan. I know. But my thought was, if someone could think that about Nina, like, they're coming after me. (laughs) They're coming after me hard. (laughs) That's true. Because there is no way I can have that same amount of moral goodness, I guess I should say. Fortitude. Moral fortitude. Right. Worn down. (laughs) I know. But but it it has been hard. I mean, I think... I think that was... That's the hard part is that it's... One... In the wedding industry, like, for most people, they consider this the most important day of their life, right? So you're going into a business arrangement with someone who's a little delusional about this day, right? Every people think it's the most important, the end all be all, like the biggest party they're ever going to throw. In a lot of cases, that's the case. So there is that emotional piece. But then there's also like the business side of it. Like none of us got into the wedding industry although not by looking at our books in the first couple of years of C&D events, but no one got into the wedding industry to be a 501c3. Like we're not a nonprofit organization. Like we're here for business. This is how we make money. This is how we pay our employees. That deposit that you put down on this wedding, and I know the world's falling apart, but that was spent last year, right? And that's how you keep your business moving. So it was very much a dichotomy between like how emotional our clientele is and for good reason, like they're brides and planning weddings, but also like having strong business practices to kind of weather this storm and blip on the radar. Yeah. And to be honest, like, so it's so funny because when we built the Bradford, it rained at least once a week from the October to the April of the year we opened. It was so muddy. It was so muddy. It was so disgusting. But what was frustrating about it is that we could never put in our septic system. Yeah. Because it would finally stop raining. 
environmental health would come out and say, hey, it's good to dig. You can put the lines in. And then the next day it would rain. Right. And, he, and I just remember looking at Courtney. I was like, we picked the shittiest year on the face of the earth to ever go through any construction. Never again. So then we open up whatever. And we had weren't fully finished. And so we were adding the alcoves. And it was this fluke. Like winter, where it, it never snowed, it never stopped snowing, and it was so cold. So they're like, "Oh, we can't brick because it's too cold for the mortar to set." And I was like, "What you're gonna do is you're gonna build a tent, and you're gonna get a kerosene gas heater. It possibly could blow up the Bradford, but <laughs> we're gonna risk it. We're gonna risk it. I need you to turn it on, and this needs to happen because we have this client that's getting married in March, and two weeks to be exact, and yeah. this needs to be finished." And I remember thinking then, like, do we have the worst luck on the face of the earth when it comes to construction? So when we were like, okay, we're going to do this renovation, I just, I told my husband, I was like, there's going to be some freaking shit thing that happens this year that's going to prevent this from finishing on time or from it working out or whatever. And that did not happen. Right. We were on time. We were on time. And it wasn't raining. It was like the driest winter. It was. It was going swimmingly. So well. And then the pandemic hit. Yeah. And in the moment of it, I just remember thinking, of course, because we were in construction. Like, we obviously tested the gods, and they said, F you, <laughs> look what I'm going to do. Like, you can't do anything. You can't open. You can't have your party. We never even had, like, a – we had, like, a Bradford opening. We had been open for, like, four months. Like, you can't do any of it. And I remember telling Sam, I was like, we're not going to survive this. Like, there is no way. Like, we have, we just took on almost triple our debt that we had before. It was quadruple, but that's fine. Whatever. (laughs) And I don't know how we're going to do it. We don't have this, we don't have money coming in. And it, honestly, oddly enough, the construction is what saved us. Mm -hmm. It 100% saved us. Because one, we booked the shit out of it. Because everyone's like, it's new, it's shiny. Yeah. It's great. I mean, and it's beautiful. It is beautiful. It exceeded my expectations. It did. But we were able to, We so when everything hit, we said, hey, we don't have weddings till May. Like, let's slow it down. We did a lot of the landscaping ourselves. Yeah. I mean, you talk about like, how do we survive? It was that we yeah. laid that damn patio for okay. the third time. For the third time. And like, I could not have imagined that there was going to be any circumstance no. where we would be picking up those stones again. Never like, I just again. couldn't fathom. But then at that time... I had never fathomed a pandemic either. So I could say maybe in times of pandemic, you do things you don't think you're ever going to do. It's true. So we were able to do some of the projects ourselves, which saved us some money. But then our bank at the same time, we were going through financing said, hey, your best bet is to go through this SBA process. You guys are great on paper. You guys are very financially conservative. We're great not on paper. Yeah, we are. We're very, (laughs) and that's the other thing. We're very financially conservative. And... So when the pandemic hit, SBA was like, and we and we hadn't quite closed on the loans. We didn't close on the loan until August. And she said, oh, the CARES Act is in effect. So in the SBA loan, you don't have to pay for six months. And I was like, what? And that's like over half our financing. Is, right. It was like half and half. Half bank, half yeah, SBA. Yeah, it's SBA. So half our mortgage got deferred to March and then now got deferred. So like for the year of 2020, we actually ended up paying less of a mortgage loan than we had before building that that project. Like Which literally like four times the amount of our mortgage. That's four before. times the amount yeah. of the mortgage, but our payment has been less for over a year now. Yeah. Which was kind of like a miracle. It was a miracle. And I remember like 
after we signed the papers and in like September, October, and like the, we were starting to kind of like ease back into weddings. I was like, okay, like we made it through the, I feel like the hardest part, which was spring and summer. And people were starting to have some faith and they were starting to do their weddings a little, albeit with masks on and with under a hundred people or whatever, but it was happening. And I just remember thinking like, I can't believe we did it. No, it was just like, I felt that way too. Like, what a blessing that it just like perfectly lined up where we had this amazing product, a product that like I think back on building the Bradford and how it was always supposed to have two of the smaller ballrooms and we lost a, a loan and we could only do one and like how devastated we were at the time. And thank God, like thank the Lord that we don't have two useless ballrooms. We just so have one that is a lot less useless now because it's attached to a much grander one. So true. And it makes so much sense. And I could have like never, never fathomed that. So without like that quote unquote failure and mishap, like we wouldn't have ended up where we're at today, which is a much more amazing product for our client. And then to add like icing to that cake, we didn't even have to pay for it right away. Like we were just able to book it and basically the government paid for it, a big chunk of it. So it was like this very strange, like lining up of stars that like we couldn't have planned any more perfectly, even though we didn't plan it. Right. But I personally feel like it's like almost like a turning point Mm -hmm. because I don't, for us, I always felt like we're very hard workers. We work really hard and I think we have great business ethics and we're good people. And I say, I say this all the time, but you don't have to be a good person. You don't have to have great business ethics to make money and to be popular and to be successful in the wedding industry. Which really messes around with Dana's fairness it is, meter. I am it like, is not okay with Dana. It's not. I struggle with it a lot. Yeah. But- I remember there was a venue that was opening up very close to the same time we opened up the Bradford and we went to the opening because we had brought a client there <laughs> and it's beautiful and it is amazing and it is like the place to go to. Like I, I remember going thinking like, this is amazing. This is beautiful. And I just, and it wasn't jealousy. It was just, this is not our experience. Like I can guarantee you that person was not up in the middle of the night putting up trim or planting plants or doing anything they weren't worried about where their next dollar was coming from and you know because they had investors and they had hedge funds and you know whatever and there's nothing wrong with that I'm not saying it's it's still an easy path it's it just made it feel like we were always fighting against something to prove ourselves and we were always working with our hands high behind our back Dana always says like you're so optimistic. And I was like, you're so pessimistic. But then when I like look back on like actual stories and replay them, I'm like I am always optimistic. And she is always pessimistic. It's true. It's not just a word. It's actually like indeed too. It is. <laughs> and belief. So yeah, I mean, it was, it was definitely tough. But like, I definitely think that the timing of that renovation, because we were supposed to do it the year before, never got our shit together. So we didn't do it. Uh, but the timing of that renovation was just money literally it didn't make it any less difficult like walking through rescheduling like something like 70 or 80 events yeah events that canceled people that asked for money and i one of the things that she touched on talking about giving money back and whatnot that was always super hard like i have a very like people pleaser nature so like having a hard conversation with a client that i know is angry 
And not that I go into them lightly now, I don't, but it would give me like fear and trepidation. Like I wouldn't be able to sleep. Like it just, I just wanted to get it over with like a shot. Like when you're a kid and you're getting ready to go get your flu shot, like, you know, it's coming, like, just give it to me. I want it over with. So like knowing that those things are coming down the pipeline really gave me a lot of anxiety because I didn't want people to be upset. I was afraid of what they thought. And are they going to write a bad review and blah, blah, blah. Or are they going to take me to court? Like I know how much my lawyer costs. And so this has really like honed that skill. Like I am not one to be bullied into a decision. So it allowed us to like really exercise our contract prowess, you know, negotiation skills and being able to stand firm as the bosses that we are and realizing it's not just a reflection of me, but our decisions represent lots of people like the girls that are in the office, the C&D girls that work for us on a part-time basis, like the Bradford, the other clients. Like it's literally not about my bottom line, but what I say and what I do represents so many other people and mm. factions and it just gave me a lot of confidence in how we were handling it. And when I go into a conversation now, I mean, I don't like going into conversations with angry clients, but I don't have that same like fear about it. No, for me, it's a, I probably too much have a black and white view of life. I don't have a lot of gray area. I believe in justice. And so I always struggled with the the fact that it's just not fair. Like, it's just not fair. Like, why am I supposed to absorb everything about this pandemic? Like, why do I have to pay for it? Like, I didn't bring it on. I'm not the one that brought it over. I'm not the one. I'm wearing my mask. I'm doing all the things I'm supposed to be doing. Like, why am I having to pay for it? And I remember we had this conversation with this dad who was just angry or whatever. And he, in the middle of the conversation, was like, well, if you can't take a bigger... uh well, if you can't take a bigger K-1 this year, then that's not my and problem. And I was like, you don't fucking talk about my finances that way. Yeah. Like, you don't know. You know nothing about me. Yeah. Like, you don't know that I haven't, that what we have been paying ourselves out. I've never actually even had a K-1. We always said 2020 was the year we were going to finally actually cash the K-1. Spoiler we alert, it. it wasn't. It was not the <laughs> year. Like, you don't know what you're talking about. I mean, my husband says, are you finally going to get paid minimum wage? You don't even get paid minimum wage. But like what your paycheck is. I'm like, that's actually probably very true. Like I don't even make $57 an hour based on like what I get paid. Like you know nothing about me. And like it infuriated me. And I remember Courtney was like, okay, okay, okay. Like trying to like bring the conversation back. Because I was about to like lose it on this dad. That was like one of the things I kind of segueing into. It was really, really beneficial to have a partner during this time. Like it was so nice to be able to walk into those conversations together. It was so nice to be able to say, let me consult my partner. It was so nice to be like, I'm going to bow out of this one. Like I'm going to lose it. It was so nice to have someone say, calm it down. You're sounding a little shrill, you know, like it was like a Muppet over there. I know, but when I get upset, that's what happens. It's like the Kermit Miss Piggy comes out in me. So it was, I, I look at people like even like Nina And I'm like, how do you do it by yourself? You know, like, how do you do it without the sounding board, without like the people around you to bounce off of and to walk into these like hard conversations with? Like, I'm glad I didn't have to do that. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that I think that's how we survived. We survived together. We survived by a great contract. I mean, I think attorneys and contracts are way more important than I ever thought they were. Mm -hmm. And then trusting that contract, it's there Mm -hmm. to protect you. So I think that was super helpful. And then obviously falling back on our OG skills of manual labor. Like, yeah, 
saving money by doing it ourselves because at that point we had time. Yeah. So it just made sense to Right. We were on lockdown yeah. and we were quarantining what together. What else are we gonna family. do? So yeah. What else are you gonna do but lay out like five hundred pounds of five hundred pounds? They're like a hundred pounds each. No, the the grass. Oh yeah. Those the things grass. are so heavy. so heavy. Yes. The artificial turf. Not a fun job. So heavy. It's not a fun job. Yeah. So what motivated you like during this time? I don't think I was very motivated. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing. Alcohol. It wasn't even alcohol. I, I think that because the evening seems so long now that the kids were home all the time. It wasn't mm-hmm. like before they would get home and then you had dinner and then it was bedtime. It's like they were there all the time. And so if I would get home and like grab a beer, or have a glass of wine, like I couldn't make it to bedtime. Yeah. Like I was just tired and like mentally exhausted and that wasn't fair. So we started doing um, – we did Harry Potter time. We listened to audiobooks oh, and yeah, we yeah. all had like a craft that we did and worked on or whatever. That was good. But I don't I don't think I coped with it well. I mean, if I'm gonna be hundred percent honest, like I think a couple of points in our entrepreneurial journey where I've had those moments of like, what if I did not own my own business? Like what if I did something else for somebody else? And I could go home and I could let it go. Yeah. And I didn't have to worry about it. And I spent a lot of the year questioning my life choices of doing this and it's not because we didn't have great employees it's not because we were like stressed about money we were stressed about money but it wasn't like the forefront of it we've been more stressed about money than we were in 2020 right but I think it it was just the the emotion of dealing with something not even the pandemic I mean I think 2020 was emotionally hard all across the board. I mean, it was, it was the election. It was, you know, social justice. Mm -hmm. Like it, it was the pandemic. I mean, it was, there's so much coming at you. And then at the end of the day, I was like, what do I do for this world? I have a venue. Is that enough? Am I doing? And I think that was a lot of it was you, it felt so small, Mm -hmm. like in the grand scheme of it. Like, Am I actually doing something that matters? I'm going to take this time to let you know I'm running for office <laughs> next year. I am not. <laughs> I'm joking. But seriously, I did feel that but way. I, I was like, like, I could do that shit better. <laughs> yeah. But it, but it's not even that I – not even that I feel like I could do it better. It's just like, am I, am I fulfilling and doing something that I should be doing? And I think there was a lot of like questioning why – I think everyone wonders, like, why do you have to go through this? Why do you have to, like, Mm -hmm. experience this hardship? Like, why do you have to feel this pain? And I think the optimist side of me is always like, oh, this makes you a better person. And I'm just like, no, like, I don't think – I just think it's life. Oh, yeah, I think it's just life. I don't know if it made me a better person. I think it made me more cynical. Yeah. Like, I don't – I think that it made me more confident as a boss, but it's not like I'm a better person because of it. Yeah. I can't say either way. I don't know. Corinne's much more optimistic over there than I am. I'm just like, I can't deal. Yeah, but I don't subscribe to a control mentality in general. Like, I just think I'm going to try to make the best choices with the facts in front of me and the information given. But at the end of the day, like, I know that I don't have control over it. So there's not any of that. There wasn't any of that, like, disillusionment for me in 2020. Like, I, I just do the best that I can do as I'm doing it, period. Sometimes that's good enough. Sometimes it's not, but it's the best that I can do, right? So I think that I operate with a little bit of like self-grace and people grace, like as I'm walking through it, which I think was helpful. But yeah, I mean, I I think it was a super hard year. Like I could not have anticipated it, but I 
look at it as everybody was having a hard year. Like I, I didn't see it through my, I didn't filter it through how I was feeling about it. I filtered it just through the world's kind of falling apart, right? So it's not just my world. I, my world is just a microcosm within a larger world and the larger world's falling apart. I really felt like, like come April, when it looked like it wasn't going away anytime soon, I was like, I really think that we might be in the beginning of a dystopian novel. We were at Lowe's getting something. We're yes. like, we're going to be like that movie. Like, oh, I thought everything was fine. Hunky dory. We're at Lowe's grabbing this stuff. And it was like, that was the last day. It was normal. Like, we're like, look at these misguided people buying wood and steaks and things for their venue. And the world's falling apart. Like, we really so should be buying like, canned goods we could trade. That's going to be like. I know. Why were they not? Yeah. Why were they not buying canned goods and stocking up on food so it just kind of felt like that like we were kind of walking out our own like dystopia novel and and then you're just kind of at, a, at mercy for what the day brings so i don't think people in dystopian universe think like what's the long term of this they're like let me get through today you know like this hacksaw is going to help me today you know they're not worried about their artificial turf i don't know that my mindset shifted so much in that it confirmed that I feel like life is a windy road and you have to flow. Like if anything, to me, 2020 taught me that, like, got to keep flowing, just got to keep going. Not that it was all roses or it was definitely dark moments and hard conversations, but that's kind of how I, how I moved through it. And I think too, like I felt a real responsibility to keeping my employees motivated, to making sure that they felt positive, that we weren't doom and gloom, that we were moving forward and we were doing everything that we could to protect, you know, their interests and their, and keep them motivated and happy to be serving the Bradford, which I felt like they were like, I felt like we did a really great job doing that. Yeah. I think, but I think it took an attitude shift from us to be honest. Like, I think it was my first wedding COVID wedding that I worked and I finally understood how emotionally exhausting it is to work a COVID wedding. Yeah. Because you have to be the, kind of like a hard ass. You have to be the asshole. Yeah, you. Yeah, totally. you have to be the one that some people put their mask on and to follow the rules, and and it's it's emotionally exhausting. And I think at the time, our employees, I felt like again, we're doing a fine job, but I didn't understand like why they were so tired. Yeah, I was like, why are you so tired? You haven't worked since since November. <laughs> what is wrong with you? April. <laughs> like, I don't get it. It wasn't even April. It was like June. I mean, and yeah, because we shut down in November for for renovation. And so it it helped me understand a little bit more of that emotional toll on it. And I think, too, for us, like we employ people that are high achievers, that love our company and are nervous to make the wrong step. And so I think that's emotionally exhausting. Like, am I saying the right thing? Am I representing the Bradford well? Am I, is is this going to like, do I have to like, call Courtney and Dana in because at times they saw how exhausted and stressed out we were and how emotionally distraught we were. And they're like, well, I don't, I don't want to call them. I don't want to ask them for help. Mm-hmm. Like I just want to handle this. Like no matter how I'm feeling, it doesn't matter. Like if I have to be called in, I have to be called in. I'm going to handle it fine. It's going to be fine. But I think for us, like trying to keep them motivated was really just letting them know we're in their corner and yeah. we're not leaving them out to just handle it. Like if you're having a bad wedding or you are stressed, call me. I live, me personally, I live seven minutes away. Courtney's next door. Right. You know, like call us or say like, this client doesn't fully understand. Can you please be present for X amount of time? You know, let us be there for you. Like we were present at a lot of the walkthroughs. We were present at most of the weddings. Like I definitely, in some ways it was a step forward, but in some ways I felt like, God, we're right back here in the trenches. Like I thought we had moved on from this. Right. right? And being there to support, I think was super important. Last thing I want to talk about is I just loved her comment to that 
mother in that conversation where said, look at how you are treating another human being. That totally right. resonated with me. And and it's so like, it's all about me. And it's how I feel like you are hurting me. And they, and they have no concept of what's going on around them. And even saying, because even to me, like someone like an employee or even you are like being not all there or off putting or like maybe something's going on. Like my first instinct is not that they're trying to be a complete asshole. Mm-hmm. My instinct is maybe they have something going on that's like causing them to be really stressed out right now. Like I wonder what that is. Yeah. And we've lost that. Like we can never put ourselves in someone else's shoes. I feel like that was one of the things to me, like concerning 2020 is I feel like everybody, I mean, not everybody, I don't really believe in absolutes like that, but I feel like a lot of people were filtering it through their emotions. Like how does this affect me, me, me? And I think when you're in times of survival, it is like that. Like you're just filtering, like how can I best, fulfill my needs and I think there were some people who were in actual survival but I think there was a better group of better percentage of people that weren't actually in survival that were going to survive just fine but like their feelings were hurt or things didn't turn out exactly how they wanted them to be and they weren't able to bend and flex and it just brought out like the awfulness in people like how selfish well yeah people can be so I had this conversation I guess I could be honest. I had a conversation with my father when we were in Florida. So me and dad are having a beer at the bar and the bar, you could drink outside without a mask on. And he's just, he's like, I don't understand like masks. He's like, you know, they don't do anything if you're wearing them. And I'm like, well, you are somewhat correct that like, if you have COVID and I'm wearing a mask, it's probably not going to help me very much. But if you have COVID and wear a mask and I wear a mask, I have a higher chance of not getting it. So I wear a mask, not because of me, because I know that if I was to catch it 99%, I would probably make it because I'm a healthy person. I don't have any like other underlying issues, like nothing. Like I know I'll be okay, but I don't wear it for fear of getting it. I wear it for fear of, I don't know if I'm spreading it to somebody else. I hate it. I hate wearing a mask. I'm like, it's hot. I don't love it. I feel like sometimes, especially in the summertime, it was terrible. But I did it every single time. It's not about me. It never was about me. Like I'm not wearing it to save me or to save my family or to save someone that I love because majority of people in my bubble probably would have been fine. Right. But I don't want to be the result of my best friend's dad dying because I brought them COVID because I refused to wear a mask. Yeah. I totally agree with that. I mean, and I feel like COVID brought that out. Like there was like this huge camp of it's about me and a camp of it's about everybody else. Like I'm going to do what I need to do because I love everybody else around me and it's not about me. Well, I think, I think, and again, not to get political, I had a similar conversation with that person concerning vaccines. Our father. Yeah. And (laughs) that person. That person. And... (laughs) He kind of said the same thing. Like, I'm not going to get the vaccine because if I were to get COVID, like, I would be fine. And I was like, yeah, but our grandparents wouldn't and our mother probably wouldn't. And that's why you should get the vaccine because you probably can filter it fine and it's going to be fine and you won't be a carrier. So you can't pass it on to the people that you love. I would probably be fine too if I got COVID. Am I going to get the vaccine? Yes, I am. And I really need to say that 98% of our people, I could honestly say, have been absolutely amazing. They have taken this in stride. They have said, we're going to do what's best for our family. They have said, you know what? Like, I don't even care. I'm so in love. I want to marry this person with 25 people. 
and we're going to have a wonderful day. Right. And they have been the sweetest and the most amazing weddings ever. And there have been people that have taken this pandemic and brides that have taken this scenario and have made it amazing and special and just flowed with it. Even those that had to reschedule, they said, you know what? It is what it is. Even those that had to reschedule for their fourth time, it is what it is. Right. Like, we understand it's not free. We understand we have to pay these fees. We are willing to do it because this is our goal and our vision. And those people have been absolutely amazing. And it has given me, honestly, more faith in humanity than That's anything That's good. <laughs> I've been a 2020 brought Dana some faith in humanity. Then it I mean, can't all, be all, all bad. Personal 2020 brides. I like one of them was like, oh, you're going to be a facial 2022. I'm like, I'm fine with that because, you know, That's I nice. love you. Yeah. And I'm totally I'm fine with that. 2022. I think one of them might. Oh my God. I know. Can't handle it. <laughs> Can't handle it. Thanks everyone for gathering with us today to talk about the hustle. To check out Wedded Kiss, visit weddedkiss.com or follow them on Instagram at weddedkiss. To learn more about our hustles, visit cndevents.com or follow us on Instagram at cndevents. And if you like the show, be sure to subscribe and leave us a rating and a review. This podcast is a production of Earfluence. I'm Courtney. And I'm Dana. And we'll talk with you next time on Hustle and Gather.